0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Good evening and welcome to another episode of Sugar and Silk. My name is Ben Doughty.
2: My name is Michael Silk.
1: And we are delighted to be joined this evening, afternoon, depending where you're watching, by the inimitable uh, Gregory Towns, former professional boxer, term man of God, who has... uh, I've been friends with this guy on Facebook for a little while now, and his, um, his his whole energy is just so kind of passionate and different and against the stream that I knew we had to get him on the show. Um, and we're delighted to have you, Greg. How you doing?
0: Hey, thank you, guys. I'm really uh, honored to be uh, on, the, on the phone with you guys, Ben and Silk. Uh, I, I follow you guys anyway, and uh, I really enjoy the commentary, and you guys always cover a lot of stuff in, uh, hey, you know, I can't do everybody's show because I'm I'm a little raw for a lot of shows. So
1: <laughs> yeah, that's why we wanted you. That's why we that's why yeah. we wanted you in the
0: first place. Yeah. So so you know people you know a lot of people cringe at some of the, some of my views and stuff, but
2: it is yeah. what it is. We're gonna do. Well, let, let's get to cringing. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the first the first thing, Greg. Um, a, a week from now, you know, uh, next Saturday night, we have the um, Josh Taylor defends his WBO junior welterweight championship against Teofimo Lopez. Now, mm-hmm. Lopez has attracted... He, he's a bit of a kind of um, polarizing character anyway, but he's attracted quite a lot of uh, heat for comments he's made in the build-up to the Taylor fight when he says he wants... He said it more than once, too. He said, he's making a point of, of being quoted saying, ''I want to kill Josh Taylor.'' He says, with Lomachenko, I took his heart. He says, Taylor ain't got no heart, so what can I do? What can I take from him? His life. How do I scare people even more than I already have done? Take a man's life. I posted it the other day, and I knew I would get a rise out of everybody saying, that's disgusting, that's too far, hype's one thing, and trash talk, but this is too far. And do you, you were one of the only people who said, uh, that's a beautiful fighting spirit. I love this. Please explain think, that do you, think, to me.
2: do you think he meant it literally?
0: That, He's that, saying that was... Go, Go on. No, no, I was just saying that was actually my comment when I said that's beautiful fighting spirit. I think, you know, I, I don't... Listen, guys have said worse. Uh, Mike Tyson said he wanted to drive somebody's bone up into his brain one time. Rebel Duran is on record back in the day when he was young and yeah. strong, saying that he wanted to demolish and kill the and Jesus. So this stuff is not nothing new. I, I think that... Uh, uh, tier female saying that he's basically he's his father so you know everyone knows his father got a big mouth everyone knows his father will never shut up he's just he's just more of it he's showing a little some more of his father um uh, father's him saying he's gonna kill josh taylor i don't see nothing wrong with it it aggravated me when i looked down the, on the post and i see pretty much 99 of all the fans in the comments was with this wimpy i call it wimpy stuff uh oh yes there, he needs to be banned Hey, let me just touch on one thing. Just to set an example of it, there was a guy on the news uh, uh, that would punch somebody when he was down, and I seen the post. And the guy, I guess the guy went down, and hit him a couple of times, swipe shots, you know, when yeah. he was on the canvas already. And people was saying he got fined like two hundred thousand dollars. I was like, what? And, and, and they also people was calling for him to be banned from boxing. I'm like, when the hell did that happen? Like you know what I mean? I, I'm I'm starting to think. That is it me, or is it just people? Are, all right, I'll give you another example. There was a video. I'll end, I'll, I'll end just with on this. your oh.
2: point for a second, Greg, because that that's a good point actually. In boxing, when you score a knockdown, a lot of times you're just so hyped and you're just so in the moment that you can't even really tell the yes. opponent is yes. on the ground. Yeah. Maybe on the knee or something like that. I know Roy had done that with Montel. with Montel, uh, yeah, with yeah. Montel and, yeah. and and um, and even I think Marciano did it with Joe Lewis. I'm not sure. How no, he, he did
1: it with John Cockle. He did it with Don Cocco. Uh, the yeah. with Don Cockle too. But he
2: also caught Joe Lewis off the top of the head yeah. with when when Joe was down on the knee or very close to the ground. Anyway, he sort of like kicked him and walked away. And, and that was just, Walcott, Marciano Michael. Was sorry, sorry to be an error. Joe
0: Walcott. <laughs> That stuff happens. Like, like it happens all the time. You're it's like, time.
2: like yes. it, it
0: might. We, we're too politically correct these days. I mean, yeah. there, there was a woman fighter. And she might have been a UFC fighter, but I've seen the video, and she knocked the girl out. The girl was out called on the ground, the camera. And she died on the floor and was hugging her and was like, are you okay? And I was like, no, sorry. That doesn't belong in boxing. And, and, no. and, 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 and anybody in the comments... Was saying it was so beautiful. It reminds me. It, it reminds me of football, like back in the day, guys it was just a defensive backs come take guys head clean off, and you come over the middle. That's just what it was.
2: Jack Taylor you
0: around and hold hands and pray when guys didn't get up. And I know nobody wants someone hurt. Don't get me wrong. I don't get me wrong. I I got a heart. I'm a deacon. I love people. I pray for people every day. But <laughs> but boxing is boxing, and I think it, it, that kind of stuff we we and mike as a warrior and i and mike as a warrior you 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 know you don't know, like we all all warriors know that this stuff happens we just don't really talk about it it's like well, i think it's too
2: much talking about it right absolutely well you know what the intent of a boxer should always be to knock the guy out you're going in there to stop the to 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 get the fight stopped before it goes the distance. That's what you want to do. Your intent. You ha- you cannot be confused about what your intent is as a boxer. It is to hit that other man on the head, and and these are the things that happen. But you you'd like to know. I mean, partially that's what the referee's in there for. It, like if a guy gets hurt, he has to, he's the one that has to stop that before the guy gets that third, fourth, fifth shot in. Right.
1: So where do you stand, Michael, on, on him saying I want to kill Josh Taylor? I want to take his life. And yes, Mike Tyson. I really, said it, I really do believe,
2: that. and I, I do believe it's hyperbole. I, I don't believe you know what I mean. He's not really talking about.
1: Well, where do you to, stand on the utterance? Never mind. I know he doesn't mean it, and I know you know yeah, yeah. what.
2: Well, what if he did
1: mean it though? Like even if he did mean it,
2: even what's if the he did mean it, that he wants to that he wants to kill him. I've like, like, never really thought of it from that per, uh, because my, I myself I'd want to knock someone out, give him a 10 count. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. But I, yeah. I, I don't know why I would want to kill this person unless I have something personal and he has something personal against me. I, I don't know if they've known each other, they've had ex- exchanges. And if they haven't had those exchanges, and he doesn't know him personally, then he's probably just saying it to hype the gate because everybody knows this is what's it these days. You know what I mean?
1: So you don't have a moral. You don't have a moral issue with, with somebody saying that for the, for the sake of hyperbole. I,
2: I think it's if it's for that reason, then it's actually kind of like it's nonsense. It doesn't really make any sense because. It's obvious that's what you're doing it for. Now, if you have a track record and you know each other and, and these guys are coming at each other in that way, I'm going to kill them, I'm going to kill them. That's a mutual thing. I totally understand it. You know what I mean? And, yeah. but, but it's not, you don't really want to put a person six feet under or you don't really want to paralyze them. It's just, you just want to give them that I, 10 count. I, so, I, how yeah, about yeah, you? This, have? Is a, yeah, this is a reflection on the boxing fans.
0: I keep yeah. telling people all the time, this is a reflection on the boxing fans. More, more, most fighters and fighters like they don't care about that stuff. It's, it's the new school boxing fans, the ones that I ran about constantly on my channel. These new school jackasses, I call them. These are the yeah. ones that are bringing this stuff in the boxing. It's almost like these these computer nerds, you know what I mean? That yes. that that, that are, are computer literate. They know how to share stuff. They they know all that, and they see. Listen, i tell you, back in the day, boxing. You could get in boxing. The fear is what kept people out of boxing. Like, if you had yeah. to be a special breed to be a boxer. So, what happens now is that everybody can be a boxer. I go, I see girls at the gym, 80 pounds, I'm a boxer. I see kids that go into the gym uh, for one day, all right, one or two days, and they might be in the same gym with a professional, okay, but they're in the same gym, so they buy some pretty gloves, pretty hair and they spot with their friends, and they go around saying they're a boxer. People are doing pad work. and So, so everybody's a boxer, but before... You, you, it, was like a, it was like almost a, the fear was the gatekeeper.
1: Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's no fear now because anyone can say they're a boxer. Is it too inclusive? Is it too inclusive today, Greg? Is it too much? I think it is. Least, yeah. If you got a guy that
0: that walk, walks into the gym, all right, let me just put it like this. I, I wanted to doing the Junior Olympics when I was 14 years old. So I was training around 12 or 13. But these days, kids go into the gym and they that YouTube is social media now. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So social media makes it a whole different animal. So even the fighters look, Roly Romero, Nico Ali, these guys do not exist even 20-30 years ago. They don't no. exist, they no. don't
1: no. even exist. Um, and you know, Greg, I deal with white-collar uh, boxers as well. I mean, I've tried amateurs that tried professionals. But I've worked with white collar guys. I've worked with a lady who promotes white collar shows for over 10 years. And she puts belts up for them because she's selling them that illusion, you know, and it's all part of the whole kind of the whole nine yards of the, the style and profile. But you get these guys winning, you know, um, belts on their debuts, actually thinking they're champions. And they learn it almost from the pros. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> you're it, Mike. Hey, I got guys in my, like
0: in New England, where I'm from, they, they got like four fights. But they're on YouTube, and they're, they're posting videos on Facebook, and it's like, I'm a star. These kids are demanding $5,000 for a four-round fight. Dude, I yeah. fought for four. My first fight, like I didn't even come back home to fight until like my six, seven, eight, nine fight. I had to go to Arizona, New, New York. Or, uh, I, a, I didn't ever fight at home. These kids got was, five fights now, and they think that they're, they're superstars, and they haven't yeah. fought anybody. Now, come on. John somebody. Scully
1: says that. John Scully yeah. says whenever he sees a guy who's 2 and 0, oh, who's got, like, a whole entourage all with tracksuits with his name on. He thinks this guy is going nowhere. You know what I mean? Wait, wait.
0: You guys are ridiculous, man. I'm telling yeah, you. It's, it's Speaking ridiculous. of Scully, uh, yeah, because me and Scully go way back. Like, I, in nineteen, in 1987, we, we, for the New Englands, um, I, me and Scully was 65. We was the same weight class. Okay, yeah, we yeah. We are the best on the team. So, so they knew we was the two best, If we fought each other. One of us is not going to the nationals. That was in '87. Yeah. Okay. And I moved up to '78. So that year I went to the nationals at '78. We drew straws, whatever. I went up to '78. John went to the nationals that year at '65. There was '87 national going to go up to Knoxville, Tennessee. I went '78, but I was really '65.
2: Right.
0: And that year, they said the light heavies was heavy. They they was stack with Andrew Maynard. Or they had uh uh Donald Stevens, it was a lot of tough guys that you had to fight bigger, tougher guys. I did not think I went to the semis, but I always remind John that
1: I would have won the nationals in '87, man. <laughs> yeah, you, you did him a favor. Um, guys, bef- before we go off, That's veer- my man, whatever- that, by the way, I don't want that to my man, though. but before we veer off in whatever direction we, we please, uh, which we will do. Uh, since, since we build this as a Taylor, uh, Lopez preview, can I just say, um, perhaps I could get your thoughts on how that fight's going to pan out. It's hard to keep up with the actual world championship picture today in boxing. I couldn't remember if Josh Taylor had forfeited all the belts he had one way or another because of politics. It turns out, I just checked today. He's still got the WBO belt. It's really hard to keep track, like I say. So he's defending that against Tio next Saturday. Uh, well, bring me bring me
2: up to current because his last fight was um, Josh Hill was with uh,
1: Jack Catterall over a year yeah. ago back in February last year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and he he had a very bad night in the office that particular night. Everybody thought he got beat. I thought he got beat. So uh, he was thought to be churlish in the aftermath in that he, people wanted him to admit, I guess, that he got beat. And it was one of those bad calls. Um, yeah. So, his stock's gone down quite a bit. Uh, Lopez's stock has also gone down quite a bit from, obviously, the the, the high point of beating Lomachenko because because uh, he got beat by Kambosis afterwards. And then he, he looked pretty bad against Sandor Martin last December. Uh, yeah, he was, I was there so, at the garden.
2: You was there. You were the
1: there I so, night, yes. so, the thing about this fight, okay, is it's, it's sort of a crossroads fight. Somebody's stock will rise, and it will put somebody back on track, the winner, okay? Um, do you... I think it's a very intriguing matchup because I think it is, you know, trash talk and, and talk about, you know, wanting to kill people aside. I think it is pretty hard to call this fight. The bookies have got Taylor uh, uh, a betting favorite. How do you see it, first, Michael?
2: I don't know Taylor so well, I, I, and but I have I saw a certain regression in um, in, uh, in Lopez's style in, sorry, in, in his style that just. That just kind of it. It didn't sit. While I was watching him at the garden, I j- it just didn't really sit well. With yeah. so, I, I saw I saw a lot of hesitation. I saw like confidence in the initially, and then I just saw a lot of hesitation. that just got more hesitant all the way through. As he, the longer the fight went, the more hesitant he got. And he he wasn't pulling the trigger. He wasn't you know defensively doing anything. He just wasn't doing anything that represented that kid that we knew before, and and so. Who knows what that is? Going up to the fight, there's so many things that happen in a fighter's life and a fighter's mind. Who knows what happened before that first bell rang? But um, this fight is the first fight since Madison Square Garden, and he really has to bring something. I mean, everyone would be expecting something. Otherwise, I mean, I mean, you're only going to be as good as your last fight.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Who do you pick, Greg? Uh, for the winner, the low, low, I mean, uh, uh, Taylor and Theo. Uh, yeah. I think I think To wins. Uh, I think people kind of, for some reason, underestimate To a little bit. Uh, maybe because he's just been acting like a clown with his comments uh, in the news and in, in the boxing news and stuff. But I think he beats uh, Josh Taylor. Um, I, I don't think he stops him because Josh Taylor's a tough kid. But I, I think To, I think To wins this fight. I, I, I think I will have to go with To on this. I saw To's.
2: I, I saw T.O. Fimo's training. And I see him doing a lot of weights and I see him doing a lot of strength stuff and a lot of stuff that's more like for a glorious body more than it is for um, mm. technically training for his fight. And that makes me think that whoever's training him, whether it's his father or anybody else, they're they're not looking to build him to get better. They're just looking to condition him for this moment and leaving like he's going in with the skills he's always had. He has not improved his skill base. And that's that's a problem that I see for him. I tell, tell you on that Mike,
0: because remember the uh Deontay Wilder um Tyson Furry third fight and yeah. Deontay you know you see how big he got like he was easy like I was yeah. big and I yeah, said well yeah. he looked he looks good but he ran out of gas in like two rounds yeah, literally
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Yes so, so yeah. if they're getting to you're right about that if they're getting TO just right to look good and all that job, I'm a skinny yeah. guy so I, I was a <laughs> yeah
1: Greg, I've got to ask you: Where do you stand on this modern strength and conditioning cult that has uh, very much kind of um, come into boxing? Well,
0: I tell you, I tell you, Ben. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I'm old school. I'm always, old, I'm always saying old school. I just chop wood, chop trees. You know, old school stuff, training about this. I'm always beating up the pad work and all that junk. I'm always beating that junk up. But, but, um, uh, I, I, I can't. You know, every other sport, athletes get better. So I I don't want to just go all over. I I don't want to sound like some old plot that's like, oh, the old school's better. I don't want to sound like that guy. uh, So I kind of reserve a little bit. I want to just rip into all the new school training methods uh, because guys don't got no more stamina. I mean, guys are playing 15-round fights and and ready to go after 15 rounds back in the day. Guys are winded, holding on the ropes after 12 rounds. So you can't really tell me that they're getting any better conditioning. OK, yeah. Per se. But I'm scared to go all the way because the technology and stuff, you know, uh, uh, improves everything. So but, I don't want to just yeah. say it, but I'm going to go old school all the way okay?
2: But The thing is, you know what? Technology improves. The technological object like my iPhone the, over my old dial phone that I used to have. Yeah. But does it really does it really make the human body better? Which is, I mean, we're uh, we're an organism, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. so maybe it'll maybe it'll help us. It'll time us to make us try to go harder, try to go faster. But the human body's only going to be, be able to do what the human body can do, yeah. right? Ultimately, yeah, yeah. and and yeah. I don't know. I, I just don't. Th- I also think like the same parameters that are on other sports or that are on boxing are not in other sports. Uh,
1: exactly, I I think. I've always yes, said really. that I don't think Boxing has seen the same progression as sports of numbers and distance and times like athletics, which is mm-hmm. so much so easily measurable, the progress in yes. those sports. Yes. I think with Boxing and the other thing that we don't take into account is that the the athletes who are breaking those records on a consistent basis they have elite competition unwaveringly, consistently, forever. In boxing, we've seen the, the industry become a little bit more disingenuous and a little bit slicker yeah. to the point where guys are not fighting the same competition they fought back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. And and you everybody knows the old axiom, iron sharpens iron. And that is partly what makes fighters great. I'm not saying that guys like Crawford and Spence couldn't be as great as Leonard and Hearns, but they're not possibly because of their competition more than anything and the same the different pathways that fighters walk these days when they used to have to compete against one another that is a major argument as to why boxing might not have evolved in the same way other sports are consistently evolving
2: well right. and, and also what you were saying about uh, iron sharpens iron sometimes when you have like the element of competition steps up just because you have somebody's great that you have to prepare for so never mind having to actually fight somebody great. But, uh, like, uh, I'm a kid, and and Michael Nunn was a kid, and Frank Tate and all those, Iron Barkley. And mm-hmm. we're looking at Marvin Hagler. He's the champ. So we're yeah. saying to ourselves, oh, in order for me to get to him, I have to be able to do all these things. You're and that a level, I train yeah. that hard. I have to be mentally strong. I have to be physically in perfect Condition. Mm-hmm. I have to hit hard. I have to be fast. I have to make a miss, all that kind of stuff. So, automatically, every day you're training, you have a different goal in there. But when you have somebody that's pedestrian as the champ, you know, automatically your your level of, you don't step up to the plate. And the imagine, way. Michael, no. you know, imagine if you know,
1: I thought, imagine, Michael, if you'd have thought, well, I could beat James Kinchen for the title. He's got the WBC title. Or I could exactly. fight James Schuller for the WBA. Or you Absolutely. know what? Might, yeah. I, even Tony Simpson, you know, he's got the IBF, so maybe I could beat him. It's not the
2: same, yeah. is it? Yeah, no, it's not the same. And there was Juan down, he was there, and I was on the
1: bathroom first,
2: and all the rest of that. You know, it's just, it's just like okay, you know what I mean? It's uh, obviously they're they're real they're real fighters, and there's no doubt about that. But they're not Marvin Haggard, so no. you, yeah. you know you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> your, whole of, your whole level of of, of uh, preparation. And your mental, your physical, and everything you're doing, every fight you're fighting up until then is about getting to Marvin Hagler, and that changes the whole game.
0: I got, so, I got a theory on that, guys. I got a theory hmm. about when we talk about the uh, because I think because th- I'm always ranking on the new school just to, just the actual feel. If like you talk about Marvin Hagler uh, or Silk, and all uh, these guys are iron, we talk about iron shop is iron. Yeah. And I, I think the, 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 the fighting style today, that short road roll, that pop shot, I, I call it fencing. That's what I call yeah. it fencing.
2: Yeah.
0: I call it fencing. And, and, I, and I think, and this is, my, this is my theory. I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying nothing like that. I'm just saying, I think these kids had figured it out that they can make more money sitting on the belt. So I think yeah. that, I think they kind of, because they're kind of buddies now. So they're like, Why should we fight when we just we can get the bag, man? We don't we don't need to fight each other to get the bag these days. And nobody's making them fight. Back in the day they had to be made to fight. Now they can invent belts, the WBC, intercontinental, they can invent stuff so these kids can sit on the belt. And look, I'll tell you this too. When I was fighting as an amateur, not even pro, as an amateur, New England amateur, any fighter in New England that was 165, I want to kill him. If we we was at the mall and I see you at the mall and you was 165, I'm trying to start a fight with you right there in the mall. I didn't didn't care. If he was at the movies, if he was with your girl, I didn't care. You you know who's going to be 165 in New England, but me, I don't care. And I'm saying these kids don't get that same fight. I'm going to tell you why. Because in in New England area right now, we got a bunch of kids that are the same weight and they share. They actually share. Yeah. They go to the same gym. If I was in the same gym with someone was 65 back in the day, I'm not, you better, i run them out of the gym. We're going to start a fight. These kids, if you want to jump up over here, I'll jump over there. And, and, and they will say, uh, I'm not going to, um, like, they, they'll share, okay? You want to spot tonight? Do a couple of rounds. Want to go 10 rounds tonight? And it's like, I'm like, when did this happen? Like, you know what I mean? When did that happen? These guys, so I think, again, I, I kind of, I, if you guys know, I always reserve just totally smashing the new school because I don't want to be that guy that's always cracking on the new school. I don't want to be that guy, but it's a lot of evidence telling me that the fighters are not the same, the the game itself is not the same, and I think I'm veering off a little bit, guys. You could just reel me back in because well, I'm, no, no you,
1: we're going with it good in a good direction. I mean, because I know you have a a major feeling that there's a lot of style over substance. In boxing culture
0: it, today, I think they, they, it's about money. I mean, it's always been about money, but yeah. I mean, did somebody they brought this this thing in where it's
2: it's no honor left in boxing? I say it all the times. No honor left. It, it's, well, it's just they, about they, they did. It, it is. It's always been about money, but it hasn't always been the fighter that one made the money, or especially never talked about it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it was before. It was kind of like the promoters and the managers would talk about the money and the, and yep. the pro and the fighter would say well you got to talk to my manager about yep, that yep yep you know what yep I mean? and the fighter the fighter had a 100% trust in their trainer in their manager and promoters in order to get what they're supposed to get obviously that failed and now you know fighters do have to take care of their money they have to ask their managers where's my cut what's my cut going to be what's this fight worth and so, a fighter does have to do double duty, they have to almost like be there and manage themselves. You can see a lot of fighters that hit the top, they start promoting themselves, right? Like,
1: yeah, who, who started but, that,
2: Mike? Who, oh, who yeah. started that, the Mike Leonard. Trainer? Mike Trainer, the the Leonard. Leonard. Who started Mike and Leonard, yes, yeah. and I'm, then and that that was kind of like that changed boxing. I mean, Ray made a, a couple, I mean, Ray also changed up how you actually fight, like. He steal the last couple of you know right. seconds around, thirty and, second flurry, yeah. yep. and then De Hoya <laughs> picked up. Uh, De La Hoya picked up, uh, <laughs> and then everyone started you know
1: running that yep. one. Um, I think that's so a cliche, was, Michael, about thirty seconds in that particular fight, and I don't want to get into it because it annoys me. Oh, not that the Hagler fight, fight. No, he definitely that particular fight, he was he was doing well in the other two minutes and thirty as well. That was oh what no the
2: Hagler has, for, for for Marvin Hagler, absolutely, one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, but um, in any case, um. But it's, it's interesting, though, because, you know, some people defend the situation that we are lamenting as older boxing fans and people who have been involved with the sport in, in the various ways that we have. Some people say, no, it's good that fighters are calling the shots now. It's good that they're more commercially literate and financially savvy, and they understand their commercial value. Very um, yes, few
2: are, actually. And, man,
1: man the,
0: the, the fighters these days, they, they think that if you retire with money – then you're a successful boxer, and I try to tell these kids that I know plenty of fighters that was broke, but there was former world champions, there was great fighters. But these oh, yeah. days, the next generation is not gonna honor these other fighters. I'm telling you, they're not gonna. I I, I remember I see guys that was drooling a little bit, you know, we, you know, we back in the day when I was coming up as an amateur, but there was great fighters, there was worries the champions, and, and, and we respected them. But now it's just like the world, like they, like, like it's no, no one respected. There, it's just the money to bat it. So what Canelo, you to talk. I, I'm not gonna beat up Canelo too much, but I'm just saying, is, is he beating Marvin Hagler? I mean, come on, I, I no. don't know. It, he's not beating no. Marvin Hagler. All right, but you can talk to some of these new school fans, and they actually believe that, and their reasoning to defend this ridiculous position is that look at all the belts he won. He fought 14 world champions. Yeah, all yeah, these
1: yeah. stats. I love that dad. argument, Greg. I I'm love the argument. Sad. I love well, the. I mean, Floyd Mayweather was a great fighter, okay, and had a lot going for him. But I love that argument that he's the greatest fighter who ever lived because he beat more world champions than anybody else. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy because they created so many splinter, fragment world championships. Do you yeah. know that I always do this one? Ray Robinson beat, I believe it was. 17 world champions, and Floyd Mayweather beat, I believe it was, 24. Now, Floyd... For, for, uh, Ray Robinson beat 17 undisputed world champions, and Floyd Mayweather beat zero of the same. You know. So. <laughs>
0: there you go, <laughs> man.
1: <laughs> hey,
0: look. When they say Floyd Mayweather... And I, and I like Floyd because, he, you know, he's so few out of make money, whatever. But Floyd Mayweather, uh, when they say he beat Sugar Ray Leonard, that's preposterous because... Yeah. He fights the same style as his father did. He's a little better at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 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 argument,
0: yeah. Listen, the first argument they'll give you is that, yeah, he's not his father. He does it better than his father. Okay. 20% better. I don't I'll give him 30% better. He does a little better. But Sugar Leonard broke that style down. Mm-hmm. All the way. Like no, yeah. no, he destroyed it. That shoulder roll, pop he guys like brother Durant would have would have destroyed his ribs. So when guys say that, and I got a, I got a video where I break the whole thing down on my channel, uh, that uh, Floyd, uh, Floyd would never be Sergey Leonard because there's just no way he could have did it because his style is the same, and he already, he already, he already solved that.
1: That the fight, the fight that I think was a t- will be a total nightmare for Floyd is Tommy Hearns. I always get into it with, <laughs> like you say, some of the newer fans. I always say I could prove in a court of law that Tommy Hearns beats Floyd Mayweather. Every time, yeah. I <laughs> that I literally in a high court of appeal, really. you know. But, um, yeah. and a Michael, I don't imagine you've got too much conflict with that. Michael's having you know, trading blows <laughs> with the hitman,
2: no like, conflict. no conflict here. What, what a lot of people, I mean, what a lot of these kids don't realize is that they're going on the superficial. I, and when I say record, what their records, uh, it's the last thing you can go on in boxing, you know what I mean? Like, you can, you can have a guy that's like. 8 and 20 and get in the ring with with a guy that's 20 and 0 and give him all sorts of hell if he knows what he's doing. Remember a guy Jorge, Jorge Amparo who was like insanely like, he had a losing record. You got him in the gym and you spar with him or in a fight with a top fighter, he's giving you hell. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And and Fortnite. Yeah. Fort Nigel. Oh, he did? Yeah. 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 And he went he went the distance probably. 10 rounds. Yep. Yeah, he lost the decision, but the guy is an anvil, <laughs> like, like he's a rock. I was like, hey, hey,
0: hey Silk, he'd be a champion today, no
2: doubt, right? Yeah, he'd <laughs> be champion, no right. hey, doubt my mind. People don't understand that kind of thing about him. You know, all you had to do was light a little. Fire. I don't know what he did with his management training. All you had to do is light a little fire on him, believe in him, give him a couple of fights. That dude would de- today, he would definitely be rocking things. I mean, it's crazy. They got, they got an
1: easy. Oh, I'm sorry, Ben. Go ahead, Ben. I'd like to talk a little bit about your professional career, Greg, because uh, looking at the record, you won your first eight fights straight. You were obviously a prospect who was, um, you know, saw himself going places. And then your first loss, your first loss was against another guy called Greg. And then you went in with Andrew Maynard, the 1988 Olympic gold medalist, um, which is is the kind of most illustrious name on your record. Uh, Talk to me about not the, toughest, to but illustrious. Not the toughest, I
0: tell people, but the but the most illustrious. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Not dog and energy, my boy, but hey, my, my career is sums up easy. Here's my career. I and, and I never was in shape. The bottom line is I last time I was in shape was when I got back from Knoxville, Tennessee in 1987. I turned pro in 1988. When I got back from the Nationals, I went, I was supposed to stay amateur and go 88 for the gloves. I ended up getting in a street fight and stabbed in the back. After I got stabbed in the back. Uh, I, I couldn't go up there to lay plastic to the trial, so I said, uh, "I'll just turn a pro," and I'm never going to shave. And this is not an excuse. Not taking nothing away from Greg Everett. I, I out of 14 fights, I fought six tops in the world, guys. It's not taking nothing away from them, guys. I'm just saying, I, 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 everyone knows it's common knowledge in my in my area. People know ghetto Greg. Uh, well, I didn't train. I was I, that's why ghetto Greg. That's why, mean, you, Greg. Why, why.
2: Why did you? Why did you get stabbed in the back? Like what happened?
0: Uh, yes. Yeah, I I came home for from the, you know, I, I was I was kind of a ghetto superstar. And mm-hmm. I was at the club and, you know, oh, it probably oh, it was over this girl and getting into a uh, argument over this girl and I guess uh, ended up having a fight in the club, going toe to toe with this dude. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think I won the fight. And back then, if I didn't think I won the fight, I mean it was even back and forth, but I couldn't. I didn't. I didn't. If I didn't win the fight, alright. Then I I'd just be pissed off all night. So I told the kid, because he's from the neighborhood with us. I come on, man. We we've been boys since we were kids. Let's take a walk down the street, let's talk to so. But my idea was to get him out of the club down the street and we just fight again.
2: Yeah. What
0: happened was that my brother was there, and him and all my his boys, and they didn't know they followed me. And I didn't know they were so I goes to me and him. So when I got we got down the street, I checked around and sucker punched him. He went back and fell down. My brothers in, it came out of the woodwork. He thought we was jumping him. He pulled the knife out, starts chasing my brother. I started chasing, grabbing him make sure I don't stab my brother. He turns around, starts chasing me, hit me in the back. Pop, 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 pop. And he yeah. hit me about 10 times. Dang. But, then, but what saved me, because he missed my heart by this much. What saved me is that the knife broke in my back after the first one. So all the other ones are just enough. And by the way, what, else, what saved my life that night was the good... Southern New England golden glove jackets that uh Paul bar sent them guys <laughs> used to give us thick. the nice ones with the nice hoodies on it, big thick jackets. Yeah. That, that jacket, that golden glove jacket, actually saved my life uh, that mm-hmm. night. Uh, but yeah, that's how that happened, Mike. That's how it, but look, so- I, I've had more street fights than ring fights. I've been in no imagination, probably about 90 street fights. I've been shot, stabbed. Uh, see my neck right there, cut almost right, my head almost like I. Hitting the face with a jack. I've been in I've been in way more danger. The ring was nothing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I've heard, serious, that, man. I've heard. That is what, I remember one writer once saying, as dangerous as boxing might be, for some fighters the ring will always be a place of relative safety. And it man. sounded like you gotta know, you but-
0: realize Ben that like I said, I won the New England, New England Olympics when I was fourteen. I got to go to Governors Island, New York that year to go to the regionals. I, I should have won, but I, I, I was a kid and I just, I'd never been to New York. I was wide eyed, you know what I mean? Mike, I was like, <laughs> oh, having fun. So I was thinking about fighting. I was eating ice cream, having fun, i up losing. I came back with yeah. the training school. I went to training school, which is little boy's jail. Then I spent a year in there. I got out and then I defended the title that I had won in New England against Skid Marty Foley. And he beat me, took the title. I went back to jail. And then I got out again, I think around. The next year and I fought in the golden gloves, lost the Marty again. He went all the way to nationals that year. So then, Greg, I went, then I went back to jail for three years.
2: Greg, so let me ask you, where do you where did your road diverge? Where did you get on and you thought you were going good places and you were gonna go yep. so you're gonna and then where did it diverge where you went off into a little bit more, you know, yep. into the Let's darker side it. of life?
0: Well, what happened though, Mike, was that. When I went to the big jail, I went from training school, then I did armed robbery, and I went to the back. Got twelve years. They gave me four to serve. I went to the big house, the man's prison. I, wow. had, I think I was a fresh eighteen. But yeah. what the blessing of that was that there was a ring, a boxing ring, and Max. They had a boxing program there back then, and that that saved me because I just got in shape, and I I just I just I, and then you know I was like James Scott, you know what I mean? I was just yeah. training all the time, uh-huh. and then when I got out. I got out in 1986. I just didn't miss a beat. I just won the AAUs two weeks after I got out. Three weeks after I got out, I won the gloves uh, in '86, then I ended up going to nationals in '87. And then we know from there what happened. I got, you know,
2: I got yeah. yeah. stabbed and turned uh, pro. But and you think that that uh, what I wanted to find out is like your mental state, where you were. I, I guess instinctually, as an individual, you had obviously the killer instinct to be a fighter, and yeah. but but what part of it? Like, did it cause a certain kind of panic with you that you were going to fight someone and it would have to be a legitimate, official in a ring kind of thing? And no, and, like, what no. what stopped you from getting to the place where you could have gotten to? Because obviously you're a talented fighter. What stopped, stopped you from getting, like, to the highest, to the pinnacle? Uh, what what stopped me from getting there is that when I turned professional, um,
0: I got a a, a little signing bonus, I don't know, like ten, fifteen thousand dollars, which was like a million dollars to me, of course, uh, because yeah. I was just a dumb kid from the hood, and I, I never had the money, you know what I mean? So when I got that signing bonus, I become like a ghetto superstar. Hence the name Ghetto <laughs> Gray. And yeah. and look, you come to Rhode Island, everyone know. I mean, this is this is my hood. This is, you mm-hmm. know, they, they, people know who I am. You yeah. know what I mean? So I, I had a brand new Charnel cool, Cougar. Cool Cars, they uh, my manager give me cars. Anyway, I never went back to the gym. Hmm. Like there's a saying with me in around the New England area. People know that Greg works hard when he's in the gym. No one worked hard to me You get me to the gym. It's just that you had to get me to the gym.
2: The gym like yeah.
0: I didn't want to go to the gym. I never trained. I'm done, you know what I mean? So so when you say that Mike, what what really derailed the promise? Because I did have promise, had a lot of talent. Uh is just that I just never got in shape. And I remember the, my pro debut in Eastern Pennsylvania, Larry Holmes promoted Cod, uh, a Ruddick headline that Cod. Uh, Mark Holmes was the co-main event. I, just, I got to do on a six-rounder, and I'll never forget what Larry Holmes told me. I beat this kid, Larry King, who was pretty decent amateur, and he was way uh, – and in, 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 in after the fight, Larry Holmes told me, you need to get in shape. That was yep. my pro debut. So Larry Holmes gave me the best advice that I ever should have had and should have kept it. But I didn't, so yeah. That, that's really
2: what happened. I'm sorry, Ben. I I'm sorry, Ben. I can't let this go because this because to me, I'm like this. I know why. I had one fight where my heart almost jumped out my chest. I was breathing so hard, like I was, the fatigue level, and and, like, and I just felt. So weak against this guy who just kept coming, and I couldn't hit him with it. It was like that dream when you're dreaming you're falling and you're never hitting the ground, but the the dread of the ground is coming at you. That's what it was like in real life. You're feeling this guy, they're hitting you, they're touching you, and you can't do anything to keep them off you because you have Mm. that fatigue. That happened to me once, and I was like, never is that going to happen again. And I just.
0: They say fatigue makes cowards out of all of us. Yeah. Look, when you get tired, I used to say, like this, and I like when I train kids, I say, You got to get in shape, don't do what I did because I, I, well, I have to I gotta get you. I, look, I come balls in the wall, I'll I, I try to get you out of there. Uh, but once I run out of gas, it's all done. So I tell the, the kids to get in shape because if you throw three punches, four punches, and he throws four punches, then you throw three punches, he throws four punches. He's going to say, oh, that's only three. He's going to up with the five punches. You're going to come back with three punches. He's going to say, I got him. He's going to switch you another gear. And he's going to run you the hell out of the ring. Yep. So the whole thing is just getting in shape. It's not even about yep. skill. You know what I mean? I mean, it's my opinion. It's not even really about skill. See, so You got a good one, two, three. You get in shape. There's a lot of fighters that can't fight that was world champions. When I say can't fight, not technically solid, not a bunch of natural yeah, yeah. Just, Just in shape and strong and go distance. And they, they make money. And some of them become champions. Then you got guys, and I can use me as a, and Let me tell you something. I, I own my own business now. I, you know, I, I we doing. I, you know, I'm doing all right. You know what I mean? But as a boxer, you know, I had a lot of talent, and I could have easily been a champion. I know guys that I beat up in the gym all the time. They champions, but it, but you gotta. It, it, what I was trying to say is, when you if you don't train, man, you um, you you you're, you're you're not gonna make it. It's that, that simple. I don't care if you don't got a lot of talent. Train hard. And you got a little bit of balls, and you got a little bit of chin, you'll be all right. And but if you got a bunch of talent, and, and you don't work hard, let me tell you put it this way. This is the last thing I'll say, I said a lot, I know, like a preacher. But if you, if you say, if you got God-given talent, God-given talent means that you do something better than someone. You run faster, you hit harder, you got more strength, whatever. You God-given talent. If you got God-given talent, then you are. You can't help but be good. In other words, if you train hard, you're going to be great. But if you don't get God-given talent, you train hard, you can only be good. In other words, someone that got god shine said, you're better than the rest, even if you don't train, you're still going to be good. You're mm-hmm. never going to stick. But there's guys that don't got no God-given talent. They can become good. Ali was great because he was had God-given talent and he worked hard. Plus he had the mindset when he said i'm the greatest he meant i'm the greatest he wasn't lip service he wasn't saying a lot of guys talk lip service so junk. am drunk guys in my neighborhood say i'll knock you off Greg towns they don't believe it so it got to be a belief system the bible says that as a man think of so, believe it i tell people all the time that boxing is only about uh confidence that's all it is confidence you got to believe that you can do it why do you think guys like lonnie smith uh, i don't know if you remember him but he was Long yeah, and Lonnie, Lonnie Smith. Lightning Lonnie Smith. Was, that dude really wasn't that talented. I mean, I don't want to knock your dog. I don't know him personally, but I want to fight. You he, guys he that jump and in, fall into. But wasn't he a champion? I think he was a champion, right, So Yeah, he beat Billy he Costello. You know, right. Billy Costello, right? Yeah, he beat yeah. Billy Costello. But I'm saying, I, I
1: I didn't see where he was extra like Roy Jones talented. You know what I'm saying? But Do you stuff, know what, Greg? I thought he did have something. A little, a little uh. Bit of magic. He had really
2: Come fast on. hands, and he did remind me a little he bit. He was it fast, though. though.
1: He was yeah. it fast. Maybe he I was, should have
0: said that. That sounded like I was I, hating on him. When I was him. 16. <laughs> hey, L- hey Lonnie Smith, man, if you are watching this, I wasn't trying to hate on you, brother. I wasn't even body chat.
1: <laughs> There's a guest I'd love to have on. Listen, when I was 16, that was my cup of tea because I wasn't as sophisticated in my analysis and as experienced as I am now. So as a 16-year-old amateur myself, he looked really yep. good to me when we saw him on ITV in Britain. It was like, this guy's got some swagger, you know, and he and he could punch as well. And he, he did a number yeah. on Costello, who had those three defences of the WBC uh, Junior Worldweight title. So, oh, sure. but, you know, I, Greg, he, I went out, remember he went out
2: like Castello. I remember I sparred with Billy Costello, so, and, and I saw him fight, uh, when I saw him fight Lightning and Lonnie Smith, I thought this is really going to be something, but Lightning just... Shut
0: him he took him on. He took him on like two rounds or something,
1: did wasn't it? It was yeah. early, right? No, it was he took him out in about it was like eight rounds, you know. Oh. But
0: but you know what?
1: Then I too bad for that now.
0: Nah. I wasn't trying to dog weight line Lonnie Smith when I said it, but I was but, just, you know I was just trying I, to find a fighter that I could and he could go on fight for my case and beat me
1: up. <laughs> I had high hopes for Lonnie Smith and they did a big feature on him in Ring magazine after he beat Costello and they were yeah, giving him a bit sure. of a push like they thought he could be a bit of a you know um bit of a star maybe next thing yeah, you hear yeah, yeah. he's not fighting he's having political problems he's having management problems next thing you know he's working for like something like three dollars 50 an hour in, in in a denver warehouse you know he's like a warehouse yeah. man ooh, and ooh, they I said spent... yeah yeah but, but my... literally, while he was still champion while he was still oh. champion and oh. they said that the boss at the warehouse didn't even know he employed a, a world champion a reigning world champion and they said you know um because I remember KO Magazine, They said his his entourage used to say, lightning strikes. And they said the only strike he's going to do, if he does a wildcat, warcat from his job at the warehouse, you know, <laughs> at the minute. Because And then he got knocked out by René Arredondo in his first defence, you know, which was yeah. – um, and then you, and then he became an opponent. He lost that ambition, you know, um, yeah. and became that opponent mindset, which is a shame. So, you know, um, that was my take on Lonnie Smith.
2: Yeah, he was very ta- – I thought he was very talented. I, th- he, I mean, very, like, he, has he speed, yeah, control. like, whatever punch he wanted to throw, he could throw at any point in time. He hit it with power. He, he seemed a little bit – um, you know what I mean? He was kind of, like, like, loose, like, unpredictable. And that kind of unpredictability always works well when you're fighting certain types of fighters, especially. You know what I mean? And you
1: know, Wilfred Benitez fought on that undercard. The night that uh, Smith knocked out Casello, Wilfred yeah. Benitez had his last decent performance against that guy, Kevin Moley, that we were discussing with, with the Hiltons the other week, you know. But um, mm-hmm. Greg, though, did you, um, when you lost to Maynard and, and the previous yeah. opponent, did did you, um, you, your record tells a story, that you, statistically at least, that you see quite often in boxing where a whole bunch of wins and, and, and no doubt high hopes, then you get a loss or two and then you get a, a bunch of red, red entries in the box rec uh, numbers uh did you lose the ambition? Did it become about picking up a purse for you or did did you change your mindset once you took a couple of losses? Uh no,
0: because to be honest with you, I should have lost maybe to the I think I went like eight and oh, nine and oh, somewhere around there. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh two or three of them should have been losses anyway. One of my Yeah, really? no, absolutely. But I fought uh Warren Not uh, not Warren not. I forgot what his name was. I formed the at the Providence civic center and I was drunk the night before the fight. I was hungover. They they called me to. Uh, oh, by the way, I've been my wife straightened me out. I've been clean for seven years now. But um, well I was I was drunk that night. I not only not training, but I was I was, uh, hungover. So when they had to call me to wake me up to go to the weigh in that morning, so I so we, my manager called me. He says, "Uh, you, we got the weigh in at ten o'clock. What are you doing? Get down here." So I hit the scale with a hangover. I had to come back home and go to sleep. The fight was at five o'clock. So. I, and I knocked him down the first round, couldn't finish him. Went 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 hell to six rounds. So he should that should lost that one. Should have lost the uh, Sullivan in Atlantic City Sands Casino. I, you know what I mean? So yes. so these so just I, I should have lost them fights. So just just natural talent. But when, the, yeah. when you, yeah. you asked about the Maynard fight, right? Yeah. Well, at that point in time, I I I just thought that. It was always going to be easy, like you know what I mean. I just, I, yeah. Before I lost to Greg Everett, at my first loss against Greg, they called me up and said we're going to fight this guy. You get a three fight deal with Top Rank if you win it. You get a three fight deal. Uh, he, uh, Greg ended up getting and fighting Frankie Swindell and them guys, but I, I, you know, again, I wasn't really in shape, and I figured I can clip him in two or three rounds. And after three rounds was been, I was done. There was nothing left, so he ended up totally. stopping. Him. But, after he stopped me, I didn't have no more really ambition to fight no more. I just wanted to party and train and get high and drink, you know, and do all that kind of stuff. I mean, so, I'm, I I am a living example, but I I'm I'm a posted child for what you shouldn't do. I tell the kids all, all the time, don't don't do what Ghetto Greg did. You know what I mean? It's a wonder I, I, I even got any kind of name in boxing, you know,
1: the way I way I treated my career. You know so what mean? was the epiphanal moment for you, Greg, when I'm um... – I, I, was there some kind of lightning bolt road to Damascus type conversion for you? Um, straighten my life to, out. Yeah. You straighten my life out. Yes.
0: Well, you gotta realize I I, you know, I got some pretty decent money uh, from boxing. Well, you know you know a little bit. Of, to me, it was a lot of money because I, I I never had money. But I went from driving a brand new '89 Cougar in, uh, and not no Mercedes and I got a BMW 750li now, but I'm saying I had a brand new Cougar when I was like 22 years old. I know grown men didn't have no cougar and brand-new car. You know what I mean? So I would I went from that being fa- famous in my little area, okay, um, and a ghetto superstar, they call it, and I went from that to panhandling. Homeless, yeah. panhandling, no mm-hmm. money, on the corner, literally with a cup. Guys would come by and say, oh, the champ, what would you – here, man, give me a dollar and clown me. Like, you know what I mean? They'd come yeah. by and they – they, some guys, listen. Some guys had love. They come by, they dab me up, give me 20 dollars. You know what I mean? But most people just clown me. Oh, yeah. Look at the big bumps. Oh, he's a bump. Some guys stop. So I had a lot of street fights over that too, by the way. You know, because I'm not a punk. You're, you know, you're not gonna disrespect me. So I had a lot of fights. But I, you know, I was on uh, uh, dabbling in drugs and, and a stroke of blood alcoholic. So I went from I went down. And one day I was just at down at the. Um, I had been up all night. Or getting high and, and and drinking, and the morning came, and I just had nothing, and I and I just sat down. I, I, I was down on Allen's Avenue. So it's like this lonely area, and I sat down. and I just asked God. I said, "Is this what you want for me for the rest of my life?" Then I accepted. It. It's it got to be. I, I felt like lot. I like like, if this "Is this what you want for me?" Then I'm not gonna. This is what I, I'm I'm gonna be. I said. And, I, and right after I like – I, I kind of feel like I, I said, I don't care. Whatever you want, Lord, your will, not my will. You understand? Yeah. So once yeah. I came to that conclusion, my life started getting better because the very next day I went into Salvation Army. God bless Salvation Army. Saved my life. All right? Went in there, got clean, and, and I didn't look back. Stopped my business in there. I've been in business now for 14 years. uh uh I, I own a power washer company. uh We got a uh, uh, – a couple of big contracts, it, you know, so I, from there was the pivotal point. God is yep. what, they, I don't want to make this a sermon. I don't want to make it a sermon, but uh, listen, people that know me, that know me,
1: I was drinking a fifth a day, a fifth a day. I don't know if you know what a fifth is, but that's a lot of liquor. Yeah, know. yeah. I, I I know it because I spent time in America and I'm a former alcoholic. Hey. Well, not a former alcoholic recovering So alcoholic. if you
0: know me, then you know see me now and know the person that i am you know it got to be something
1: if i'm telling it's, you it was jesus christ then you got it got to be something you know what i mean you because- know greg when i got sober some of my more rational kind of uh skeptical friends had an issue with me suggesting there was anything miraculous about it and they and they get <clears> uncomfortable <throat> when you mention the god word you know and that's, that's what some people it. getting sober and that's what kills some people too because they have an issue with this whole God thing. They think AA or whatever else or NA is going to be all about that. You, but, you know what?
2: Can um, I just can, can I, don't I, don't I just, know, can I I just say? Wait, wait, Mike. Can, can I can I just say that I cannot share. I I don't know about uh, alcoholism and and but I do, Greg. I can relate with you when you talked about cougars because I had a few in my time as well, and they really liked uh, me. Uh, so wait 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 wait. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh, well, I'm glad. Yeah. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Time out! Stop said, the presses. He he had, ben. He, he said had he had some cougars. I had cougars too.
0: Right, I'm really glad. glad right, right. Stop the presses, champ. Are we talking about the car or are we talking about cougar women? Oh, oh he man, was talking
1: you... about cars. <laughs> <laughs> this is so, so. Hey,
0: You had the cougar's mother. Okay. And- <laughs>
1: So, I'm really glad that you interrupted a crescendo about the beauty and the miracle of recovery and handing over your will and the higher power. I'm really hey, no, glad you interjected. I, was... I used to, I used to get with some older women. I'm really yeah. that was perfect.
0: Hey, Mike, I had some of them too. Yeah, you know I mean, but I, I'd be very careful. Um, any podcast I go on. Talking about women and like that because oh, yeah, yeah. my to kicked my
2: ass. So I, I I'm, I'm... Yeah, exactly. But cougars will will, will will take care of any addiction, I'm telling you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Don't know. Don't know. When you talk about women, um, Greg, it's interesting yeah. because I see some of your um sermons on Facebook or your 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 yeah. long posts, and a lot of the time you seem to take stick it to the black community and the younger black community I, I, saying I, 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 that they're the worst it. enemy. I hold the
0: black community. I, I, I'm, I'm the guy that that a lot. Some people in our community don't like because I don't like blame. I don't like people to blame. I don't mm-hmm. like our people to blame. You see, like we're just a bunch of crybabies Sometimes people get offended when I say that we're yeah. always crying yeah. about stuff. Listen, I started my business with no credit rating, no job history. I was a boxer. I didn't have, I never worked. I sat. Yeah. I had no credits, no credit, no work history, no nothing. And I think that. Uh, uh, uh we, you know I, I'm a, I'm a man of God, so you know I talk about abortion and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, I think. Listen, statistics say that um, 20 since 1970, 25 25 percent of the black population has been aborted. Okay, that's an yes. issue in the black community. But for some reason, we never talk about it. Crickets. I, yeah. All right, crickets. I you know I always put that in my in my comment. My crickets. So, yeah. but let a cop choke out a black, uh, so black. Let a cop choke out somebody, and then we're marching all over the country. I'm saying, we got black kids that die in Chicago by the dozens every night, but we nobody's talking about it. So I like to bring up these elephant in the room issues. You know, when we talk about our women, because I, you know, a lot of times I talk about our black women. Say, look,
1: yeah,
0: we. Uh, some of the statistics with our black women, uh, they they our black women, these are the CDC, you go to CDC, blackstatistics.com, any reputable statistic gathering data, whatever. And you'll see that our women lead all other race of women in sexually transmitted diseases. Okay, this needs to be talked yeah. about. This ain't need to be something that's swept under the rug, but we do it. Look. Yeah. Uh, one out of every four of our babies are aborted. More more people die from abortion than um than Ku Klux Klan killed in the history of the Ku Klux Klan. Than diabetes, or everything else. So the major the major thing that's happening in our community, we got to stop that. But no, no one wants to talk. because that.
2: we're you think because we're not, like doing our own population control? Is that the kind of thing but you're I, saying? Like a pop, like we're pop, we're controlling our own population in in a way like through abortion is what you're saying. Like the problem is abortion is a problem because of religion or because our numbers are are low. Like our the black. I'm population. saying that we. I'm like, saying that. I'm this is what I'm saying. I'm saying
0: that if if I, if 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 one. If one, if 25 percent of our population been aborted since 1973, if, mm-hmm. if we're having that many, if we only represent 13 to 14 percent of the population, and we are responsible for over half of the abortions, I'm saying this is an alarming stat that needs to be addressed. Not and you believe that,
1: you believe the left of father figures?
0: Out, not the guy that got choked out. Listen, we talk about women, women, uh, you know. The, the fake hair weave industry is a billion dollar industry, okay? Billion,
1: yeah. Let that stink um, in, and you think also lack of father figures is a big deal, right? So of of where's our
0: children. money going? Uh, like, you can't say these things because then you get people heated, and you know, and our women to cut you out. You know, I've been happily married to a wonderful African oh, American woman for 15 years. You know, and and she needs not, my studio's in my home, so you know I'm gonna keep it quiet a little bit for she comes You, before her,
2: her. you that but, cup on the you know am
0: saying. My point is this: that there's some there's some hot button issues in the black community that we need to start addressing, and not all this blaming, yeah. always crying, uh, uh, every time uh we we white man's holding us back and all this stuff. I, I, I get tired of hearing that jump. You know, I get tired of hearing it. You know what I mean? Uh, I get tired of hearing. Uh, that in my community, we got a large Hispanic population now, and they uh, the Hispanics the on everything. But you know, we we we're independent. We we we're the only race that's independent. We 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 every other race seems to get that you need unity. We're the only ones that I don't need nothing. I'm I'm gonna get the bag myself, and we need to get off of that stuff. We need teamwork. You understand? Yeah. And right. fuck, we can't make it without teamwork. And I can't look over the fence at what so and so is doing. I got an analogy that I use. And now yeah,
2: yeah, to... you understand, though, also, Greg, that's kind of like the vestiges of slavery. Not that I'm giving you anything excuse, it's just that these are the things that would happen to any race that had gone through. The no, like... we gotta stop doing that, Mike. I understand we've got to stop doing it and we have to take responsibility for it ourselves, right? So, so, so when,
0: so work. when do we, I, I get, I get what you're going, but when do we? when do we say enough is enough? In other words, um. Remember when I was saying Oprah, when she was young, she was molested. So yeah. when when do you stop crying about being molested and just yeah. say, all right, listen, a black man has always been behind the eight ball. We have to move forward despite it. If I if I, if I I can't run as fast as you, does that mean I can't make it to the NFL? No, that means I got to do other things better. So when yeah. we got these crunches, we can't be crying about our crunches all the damn time. Listen, oh, yeah. and this is another thing that gets me upset, is when people say stuff like, uh, 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 well, they do it. Listen, if there's a kid next door and a white kid next door and the black kid lives here and the white kid um, swings a cat around and throws a cat, kills a cat, whatever. And then, then then the black kid swings a cat around and kills a cat and his father says, what the hell are you doing? And the kid goes, Jimmy did it. I don't. If I'm the father, I don't care about. Let's clean our side of the fence up first. Then worry about all the other stuff. What happened is that we're full of excuses. Okay, now all we're full of excuses uh, as a people. We we're full of excuses. We we blame everything, and, and, and we and, and we don't take responsibility. And, and until we start taking responsibility for our dirt, we got to stop ignoring the things. There's no way in the world that we should be. Be be dying at the clips that we're dying at. I, I, most of our, uh, people obese in our community. You know we got a lot of problems. Now people sure well, other people got it too. I don't care about other people. Yeah. Let, let, let's yeah. deal with our stuff.
2: Yeah. like we, we do, we do have to understand that those are the results of what's happened. So we're going to be confused. We're going to have, you know. Uh, Higher rates of of may, may, maybe abortions uh, and and, and all the rest. It's it's just, that's exactly how it works, and that's how. So, so, so you're working. saying
0: it's a byproduct.
2: Basically, you're saying it's a byproduct of of the the oppression, okay. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Listen. okay,
0: all right. If we go with that, Mike, and that's cool, I get it. If we yeah. go with depression, is the result of the depression that we got from some secret society, whatever. Okay, if that's the case, then we'll never get out of it.
1: So how long does it take? I, I was going to ask Michael. How, how long does it take they're... to expunge? How many generations does it take to, to rid oneself of those think, decisions?
0: I think this is my personal thoughts. I, I, you know, I, I, no one shares this. You know, this is my own personal stuff. I think that it's going to take two generations after we put the, uh, the male back in the household. I think when the when, when the yeah. male got taken out of the household in 1973, you can see, yeah. all you're going to do is look at the numbers and statistics. We was married at an 80% clip prior to 1970. 80%, that number is down to like, I think it's like 20%, or maybe mainly more than that in the team. Yeah, that's okay. crazy. So yeah. but when we put the man back in the, in the household, right yeah. now the black man is not respected, mm-hmm. okay? We, we, we're we not respected, you know why? Because our women is not showing a spot for respect, I don't think, right? And you right? Know, you're gonna have sips that come on and say, all right, what are you talking about, Greg? I, like, I don't care about none of that stuff. You guys know I don't care about none of that stuff. None of you want me. I'm saying this. I'm saying that That the world looks at... Where the, our women's the only ones that say, I don't need no man. You don't see Mei Ling say it. You don't see Mei Ling say it. You don't see Maria or Hispanic Maria say it. You don't see Arab, whatever you say. No other woman says that. That's only our women.
1: So, and you so, say... Candace Owens says a lot of the things that you say, Greg. I love she Candace
0: kept... Owens. Candace Owens, my girl. Are you kidding me? And she gets accused of
1: being to... like a.
0: Under-top. I, I, I and, you. Know and I mean, she she gets it. She gets it. Yeah. But see, when you talk like me, you're considered a cello, You're considered a Kanye West type, Trump lover, all that junk. Listen, yeah. I'm I'm blacker and black. So so you know, don't don't try to test
2: my. You know, you know I'm I got absolutely 100. I'm I'm sitting with you on that. I believe that. You, Listen, in order for us to be whole, we need all of us in it. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. everyone has different thoughts, and you use that energy from different thoughts it, it, to to like to bring it all together and to push yourself forward. Because you you do, like, as a fighter, you know, you have shortcomings. If you know you have those shortcomings, it's much better you use those shortcomings, like the fear of that, to make you stronger you know someone has to point out those weaknesses to you as a fighter in order for you to get, like in order for you to get better they say listen you're training for this fight they know you have every time you throw your jab you drop it afterwards so yep. you know they be so now you're going to have to work hard in order to make sure that jab comes back or you're doing something to you know once you throw your jab you move your head offline so that he doesn't get a, a beat on your uh, on your chin and it's yep. the same thing with this in society it's like we need you know, everybody, all these shortcomings that, that we have and that people are pointing out, we need to pay attention to those and use those to strengthen ourselves. And just even as a human being, forget about black, white, red, whatever color it is. It's just like we need to make ourselves, obviously we do represent our race, but at the same time, you know, um, it, people do love the human story. They love the, they love the human story of coming back from, you know, in an unfortunate place and being able to get back to that, you know what I mean, to that status where you're where you're a healthy, giving human being. And that's yeah,
0: Mike. The numbers don't say that, though. That's all I'm saying. I, yeah. I, it's all Kumbaya. Listen, I, I tell people all the time. I said people say on the surface, we, we, we say it should be Kumbaya. I mean, everybody get all that stuff. But people, it, it, people are like oil and water. If you take oil and water, put it in a jar, you shake it up, it mixes up. But if you sit it back, let it sit for a minute, yeah. the oil's yeah. going to go with the oil, the water's going to go with the water. And that's exactly yeah. the way people are. They're the same way. So, yeah, on the surface, we say all oh, that America, all that junk. But there is a thing called racism. I'm not saying it's not. There's these shortcuts. There's these I'm saying, despite that, we still have to achieve. We can't say, well, I can't make it because the white man's holding me down. I didn't have that as a built-in excuse that I don't have to, to achieve. And I'm saying, yes, if we are behind the eight ball, we have to be strong enough to achieve despite the, the, the handicap. And yeah,
2: I'm saying? You're, well, I'm you're not absolutely reliable. right. You're, doing, you're absolutely right. I'm not you, a have victim, to, Mike. you have to acknowledge the handicap. And yep. you still have to get past it, but it, thank but you. A thank it's a real thank thing. You. Not- but you know what? A lot of us are doing. We're saying, I don't,
0: I can't do it because the handicap. Listen, yeah. back in the day, the blacks were being pulled over disproportionately to whites. Every black person in the country knew it, but every time they brought it up, the white people would say, yeah, "It's all in your mind. That don't happen." Blah 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 blah. And then the law passed that the state troopers have to document every stop. And it was plainly seen that we was being pulled over disproportionately to every other race. Mm-hmm. So this stuff is real. I get it. But what do we do? Say I'm not going to drive a car anymore because the yeah. cops are going to pull me over? Yeah. So now you can't go to work. You dig yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah. all I'm saying is that yeah, I get it. We're behind the eight ball. You think I was behind the eight ball? I'm a felon. Okay? <laughs> I'm a felon. I can't get a state job, a city job. Only way I can even make money to take care of my wife and all that is to stop my own business. So you know what I did? I stopped my own business. I said, I'm going to go to the bank with my business plan that I made with my head. I wrote it out myself, went to the bank. The bank said, hey, we love the idea, Greg, but you're on the work here. You have none of this. You have not... Get out of here. <laughs> all right? So I went, and I worked little piece by piece, piece by piece. Now I own all my trucks. I own all my equipment. I own all my stuff. I don't own no banks, a damn thing. So it can't be done. I'm a guy that got two years of segregation in maximum security prison. I'm a guy that drank to a homelessness and bummed us. get me featured today. You dig what I'm saying? So I'm yeah. saying, I- I'm tired of crying. Crap, I'm not a victim. I'm a man, I'm a black man. So when I see other black men crying with their girls watching on the street with pink tutus on talking about, uh yeah, they're killing the us and all that junk, I get tired of hearing that. Because I'm a man. I'm not crying. Let our women cry. We're supposed to be fighting. We're not supposed to be
1: crying. What hell are you talking about? Oh mm-hmm. uh, man, you know, got me started, man. <laughs> and, uh, I, uh, brilliant, though. But that's, that's why I wanted you on the show, Greg. You know I mean, what I'm saying? I know, Mike.
2: I know you feel what I'm saying, Mike. I know you hey, do. Absolutely. I'm, I'm 100% believing in it. And you do have to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Uh, but it's just like a lot of us... Aren't getting that message. Like nobody's telling anybody that you know what we, I mean. We we got
0: a we gotta uh I did a post on Facebook about that girl Lizzo.
2: Yeah, you
0: ever hear of her? Yeah, it's fat
2: slob Lizzo. And I'm oh, saying yeah, i have heard of Lizzo, just yeah,
0: do I don't care what do well, no one no. say. me fat, shame, I'm or whatever away. you want to say. If you're that and sloppy, then you need to first of all, you're obese or something healthy. Okay, that's the first thing. Second thing yeah. is you should you don't want to have to live that kind of example to the kids. So now you got kids eating donuts all the time thinking it's okay to be a fat slob. This is the direct result that everybody gets a trophy era. Where back in the day, the fat ass kids didn't have to too. work. Yeah. You know what I mean? We had to and work. Boxing, I was a city, huh?
1: What'd you say, Ben? I said that same mentalities in boxing too and everything else. Which is why we lose it's the kind of, track of isn't. Why
0: you? Why you think you got Roman and, and Nicole Lees? She she is yeah. talented. Bro. She is talented. Who? Who? She's, She's talented.
2: she Listen, man.
0: I, 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 listen. That is not shouldn't be the poster child for our black little girls. I don't give a damn how talented she is. We can't find a what better. Do? We can't find a better representation of our black girls. Okay, we can't find a better representation, and I'm not saying just because she's fat, I'm saying because she's a fat harlot, yeah, naked and nasty and, and, and talking oh. filth out of her mouth.
2: Oh, okay, I haven't heard her. I've heard her say, hey,
0: if she can sing, that's fine, but she's singing filth and yeah. she's also obese, she's, she's not a good role model. It's no, and listen. Mm -hmm. Black women will come up and defend that jackass. Mm -hmm. They'll defend
2: Mm
0: her. They'll defend her. And and how the hell do we, you know what I mean? Come on, man. Listen, and call call people deadbeat dads and all. I'm tired of it all, man. Because the thing is, the statistics say 51% of black men are unmarried and childless. 51%, okay? 51%. So if that's the case, then where's all the deadbeat dads? They're single and childless. 51%. So where's all these Debbie Dads? I know plenty of fathers that take care of their kids. You see what I'm saying? So I'm mm-hmm. saying it's flipped upside down. I don't want it to sound like too much like Kevin Samuels, but but you, you know what I mean? But I don't know if you know what that is,
1: but I am just yeah. saying. Yeah. Yeah, and that and that was the energy that I wanted on the show as well. You we need to great, take cause... these life lessons, man. These life lessons. The boxing Boxing, this
0: is why I'm mad, too, because boxing is teaching kids life lessons. But now it's not teaching kids life lessons. Back in the day, it taught us respect for our trainer. You just said it earlier, right, Mike?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Respect for your trainer, your yeah. manager. We go, uh, go talk to my manager. I trust mm-hmm. them. It was it was that trust. You know, we didn't have to worry about yeah. that. We just had to worry Although, about training.
1: I think the All problem was, was training sometimes training. the trust was misplaced. I think Michael... Michael, one of the points that Michael was inviting us to, you know, to conclusion he's inviting us to reach was that didn't work out that model because the exploitation mm-hmm. was so rife. Whereas yes. whether
2: what happens with all human beings, right? Like it doesn't matter the race. It's like there's always somebody taking advantage of somebody. Yeah. Whether it's the same race or whether it's, you know, uh, just different races it's like someone that's the nature that's the nature of the human being the human the nature of a human being is they're always going to get in and take advantage of what they can for their best interests. because nobody's going to love a person more than you I'm love yourself.
0: hey what happens when we're in last though like you know like we said everybody got their struggles or whatever what happens if we're last when we're in last place so we just say if it happens to everybody. No, everyone is not in last place. There's winners and there's losers. So so do you want to win? All right. So if you're gonna win, then you know you gotta do something to lose. You gotta prepare. You gotta you mm-hmm. gotta do something a little extra. So if we're if we're last on the totem pole, then that means something ain't right and something needs to be changed. There's a say, if you do the same thing look and get the same thing looking for a different result, they call that a fool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They call that they a call fool. It insanity insanity yeah. oh yeah insanity all right so if i'm in last place then i need to do something to get out of last place. i can't just say well you know that's just the way it is everyone's but like
2: you no know, yeah, we, we don't have greg like a fighter like you'll have a guy who's a really good talent but if he's mismanaged or not managed right he's not going anywhere Right, as far as you can with, with talent, and you'll beat some guys and you look good in the gym sparring with some good fighters that come yeah. through. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, there's so much talent that's wasted because they're mismanaged. All the well, way, do you through. hear
1: about a guy called Reggie Ford? He fought, I think, he fought Mike McCallum on his debut and Marvin Hagler two fights later, or something like that. Wow, <laughs> yeah. what? You imagine that's been a match tough, right? That, yeah. match <laughs> <makes> <laughs> up, thank that you.
0: was happening back then, too, right, man you so, know, I can't. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. I can't say it's just the new school. So, yeah, that's why I got to pull it back. And, you, know, check, you know what I mean? This yeah. is why people punch me in the head about talking about our, our culture sometimes. I get carried away and say, well, Greg, you know, this is, you know, this is, this is, this stuff happened back then too, I guess. But, well,
2: it's you nice. don't see yeah, it
0: people was, talking uh, about It was death. never perfect. It was never it's perfect. Man, is people talking about death more now than they've ever done in boxing? I think they are.
2: I think they are. You don't yeah, see that I Mike? I I don't. Yeah, I, of- I don't really see no. it. Like if I well, well, think of I do yeah. It
0: seems like they're talking about death more. Like like I used watch the Facebook boxing groups, and it seems like people are always talking about like 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 the priority is not to get hurt. It's like n- nobody wants no one to get hurt, but it's almost like
2: people. It's kind of shock value. I think a lot of times people say things for shock value, and if they have a limited vocabulary, they're gonna say, yeah. "I'm gonna kill them." I mean yeah. you, you know what I mean? It's just it's just yeah. one of those things that happens. It's just uh, you know, limitations. You can't express yourself, you just let out raw emotion. I, I mean yeah. I have discussions with people that I know and and, and they're not even they only have the excuse of, of being a fighter, and they'll come with these very short, succinct not even succinct, like the, things that don't make any sense. But it's just about hurting. It's not about discussion or proving a point, or it has no value except for the except nope. for the uh, the intent of hurting somebody or, or offending somebody.
0: Yeah, you can only give words of love, words of life, and words of death. I t- I tell people all the time, doesn't matter. There's no gray area. There's nothing in between. You're either gonna give words of love, the life, or words of the death. So you're either killing or you or you you know it's just staying there. it's Give one life. or the other you know yes. we like we, we like that gray area as people but you know if you keep it basic that's really all it is we i, I love you man or i hate you man it's, it's mm-hmm. one or the other there's nothing really in between and listen and and, and that includes sarcasm cuz you got a lot of sarcastic jackasses these days that that sarcasm is just hate disguised with humor like that's all it is when people be sarcastic to me i say you just hate that's the same spirit behind you. You might just say, I hate you, I'm gonna kill you because the same spirit, okay? Same spirit. So, when people, someone says, You ever see these so called Christians walk around and i 'I've been with them,' and they'll go, 'Well, uh, whatever, I'll pray for you.' That's that's not the spirit, you know what I mean? The spirit is selfless, you dig that's what I'm saying? Right.
2: But the so-, is selfless,
0: <laughs> so, if you so you can be selfless in vindictive at the same because, time don't live in the same
2: place. Oh, It's interesting because the, the capital of sarcasm has to be England. You ask me what? I would say so. I, mm-hmm.
1: I cannot be entirely absolved from blame on the sarcasm front. <laughs> I've got to be honest. <laughs> I, I prefer to call it satire. I prefer to call it satire. That's that a higher level. Hey, hey, hey,
0: Ben, you're the sarcastic one, Ben?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I know, my
2: mom people, is...
1: people have said I can be scathing and sarcastic when I'm yeah, movie. Yeah, that, 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 that's,
0: that's hate disguised as humor, man. But but I
1: don't well, I'm gonna go away and think about that. You know, when we when we when we think, when we cut this show, I'm gonna I'm gonna go yeah, away well, and
2: think well. about it. repent. I don't know if it's really. I don't know if it really is hate. I think there really is that middle ground. There's love. There's hate. And there really is a middle ground. Like no, you know, why? do you think it's middle ground? Yes. Yeah, it's absolutely middle ground. Yeah, there has to. Yeah, but all right, <laughs> all right, all right. I, I tell you. So, but the middle ground is huge. It's yeah. like the middle.
0: Yeah. Class. It's like the middle class. Listen, You have the rich. Backboard. You have the the poor. Back in the day, remember that the middle class is the biggest. You yeah, had the rich. You had the poor. Look at yep. the middle class now. Yep. the no middle class. It's only rich and poor now. Yo, it's your average American yeah. family. The average American family doesn't have five thousand dollars in savings. That's a fact. Yeah. So where's all these ballers and the independent ballers at? All well, these, all these ballers that they got the that they, they're going on vacations to Mexico and all this. When ninety, it says like ninety percent of American families don't have five thousand dollars in savings. But I'm on Facebook watching people in Bermuda and in Mexico with yes. all this stuff. Look at me. We know what they're doing. They're taking their tax refund and instead of putting it away and investing it and using it, they're taking it to. Show up on Facebook. Look at me. I got the great life. I'm living my life best life now. You want to get down? If you follow Jesus, he said you should be able to carry your cross anyway. It ain't about living your best life now. All these want to be Christians that listen to these preachers talk about uh, 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 get your best life now when you really don't get it. Jesus was selfless. When he was on the cross, he said, Lord, forgive them. though they know not what they do. That means he wasn't thinking about him. He was thinking about them.
1: Yeah, I love it when you say that. Actually, Greg, I've seen before you say, "God doesn't give a damn about you living your best life." Dumb, dumb. Doesn't the only care. point of, you said the only point of all of this is so you don't go to hell when you die. That's it.
0: There you go. So, 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 why are we not <laughs> preaching about hell? Like, 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 you know, these prosperity preachers—they're always talking about everything except what the hell is mentioned in the Bible 31, I think, 31, 31 times somewhere on there. But you don't see. Fire and brimstone sermons anymore you don't see them anymore no, it's you see okay god's gonna your breakthrough's coming your breakthrough's gonna be here it's coming yeah all this stuff' breaking stuff it's, stuff.
1: it's so all about listen. blessings today right everything's about blessings today yes everybody's blessed I yeah.
0: hey listen some people say they're blessed and their life says they're cursed yeah listen you tell by the fruits what I don't care what you put out there how are you living a lot of these people that say they're living one way, go see what they're looking at your computer at night. All kind of porn, all kind of nasty stuff. But they sit out there, put it out there, like they're like they're living this blessed life. Like 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 it's just a. It's almost like people would rather appear something. All right, I put it like this. I told my brother the other day. People would rather people think they're rich than actually be rich. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So it's really all about, about the, the, the smoke and mirrors. And we and live I mean,
1: in an era. We live in an era that's obsessed with appearances and vanity and self-obsession. Um, so that's that in the boxing. I, I, absolutely, because boxing. boxing is a mirror of our age, the same way that world heavyweight champions were often thought to be a mirror of our age and the times they lived in. I've got to tell you, Michael, I think we excelled ourselves this week, don't you?
0: Where, where with, with, the, where with,
1: the, think- with the crucial help of Ghetto Greg.
0: <laughs> oh man, hey, hey man! I hope I didn't, uh, I didn't, yeah, mean, you, know, you know, you know, you could turn people off talking about God a lot, but nah, I'm, a nah. God. I'm not ashamed to talk about my God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Me, but, me and
1: Michael have, me and Michael have never really discussed where we're going with this show, particularly. We just feel it, but I, but I, I, mean, but man, I think, man. I think we always wanted to do something different that you couldn't find anywhere else that was outside the box, right? Silk? So, yeah, uh,
2: absolutely, we love outside the box.
1: That's why uh, you know, we're talking right. about boxing, though, right? right champ? Well, yeah, we're talking we about a But um, I always wonder how, I'm always loath to close such a fascinating show and an interesting kind of interaction. But we've been on here for that, get closing in on one hour twenty minutes. So I'm pretty sure That's that Greg has got something wow. to do. He's got he's running a successful wow. business. I know he's got a bunch of trucks out tomorrow. So Greg, right. thank you so much for for coming on this evening this afternoon. It was great. It was good. It's cool to talk to you on Facebook the way you know people do on a keyboard, but it's great. You always get more of a sense of someone's humanity and really where they're coming from this time. And I'm grateful to get this insight into your into your life and your essence and, and where you're coming from. Silk, as always, thank you for your part in all of this. Hey, Greg,
2: sir, thank you, Ben. Um, Greg, are you coming to Atlantic City for the uh, Atlantic City Boston Hall of Fame this year? I went last year. I'll be. I usually I usually go every year. Hey, hey, I was gonna
0: ask you, Mike, are you gonna be in New York on the 24th at John Scully's thing?
2: Oh, yeah, 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 I'm definitely in. Are you? Uh,
0: I'll see you up there. I'm, I'm, I'll be there. I'm going to be. I'm a, he's, John Scully wants to take over Times Square. So I said, I got to yeah,
1: be there, man. Yeah, you know that. what? I really <laughs> wish I could come to that as well, but I'm, I've got the kids that weekend. It's not going to happen for me. I wish it could. That's not sorry. been in New York for 20 years. But, guys, we can, we'll we have a quick chat off the air when I close this for the ladies and gentlemen. But for those of you who tuned in, Simon Willis, thanks as ever with the uh, crucial work you do, coordinating this with Ace Podcast Nation. We'll be back next week with something internally scintillated, no doubt. In the meantime, be lucky, keep punching. Hey, can I up, Sports Social Podcast
0: Network.